0: Hallelujah. I want to talk to you tonight about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start reading in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We're going to read the first verse down through the 11th verse, and I'll be commenting in between. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Or unlearned uh, sometimes we uh, think ignorant is a bad word but all it really means is that you're unlearned that you need some knowledge in some area and so Paul wants to teach us concerning spiritual gifts he doesn't want us to be unlearned about them. he doesn't want us to be ignorant and the word gifts here is in the original text it comes from a word a Greek word called charis which is uh, which which actually means grace And when charis becomes charisma, it depicts something that is given or imparted by grace. How he knows that uh, we don't deserve grace, we don't merit grace, we don't uh, work for grace, we can't earn grace. It's uh, just like the gifts of the Spirit, it is a gift, it's something that's given to us. So when charis or grace touches a person or touches a church, it always comes with visible manifestations. And that's why we don't pray for the gifts of the Spirit, because we already have them. They've already been given to the church when Jesus ascended up on high. And so he departed, he imparted gifts unto men and women, of course. And uh, so it always comes with visible manifestations. So we pray for manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We already have the gifts. We already know he's here. We just want to see something manifested. And grace is never silent or invisible. Uh, when grace manifests itself there's always something to see and uh, we've always had uh, the wrong impression about grace. We think it's undeserved merit and uh, it, it is in a sense but it's, it's also something that depicts power. Grace is powerful. Uh, Paul had a, a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffing him and I've heard a preacher I, matter of fact I heard him the other day, he was preaching on that very passage of scripture and he said Paul had a physical infirmity in his body and he asked the Lord to take it away three times and the Lord didn't do it and uh, I don't believe it was a physical manifestation in his body. I think it is exactly what the previous scripture said that it was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him or to hassle him or to give him a hard time everywhere he went and uh, that was to keep Paul humble because he had a uh, such a vast knowledge and vast revelation of the Word of God that it would be easy for him to get the big head. And so uh, there was a uh, God allowed us a messenger from Satan to uh, keep him from getting the big head, to buffing him. And uh, when Paul asked God to remove it, God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. He wasn't talking about my unmerited favor or you can handle it, Paul. He was talking about imparting into Paul Uh, the power of grace so that Paul could deal with that thing himself. He didn't need the Lord's help. The Lord has given us all the authority that we need. And he's telling Paul that my grace, my power, my anointing, my ability that's imparted to you is sufficient for you to take care of this thing yourself. In other words, this is my words now, not in the Bible. He said, don't be bothering me with it no more. That's why Paul asked him three times. Finally, the Lord told him, forget it. You're on your own with this one, buddy, but you got my grace. So it's uh, an empowering supernatural touch that equips you with a supernatural ability to overcome something that you otherwise would not be able to overcome or something that you would not be able to do yourself. And this is where we get our name charismatics. It means that we believe ourselves to be graced by God uh, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit or at least we place a significant emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit in our expression of worship. And uh, we believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are intended to establish us, to reinforce us, to make us stronger, to help us grow so that we can bear much fruit for the glory of Jesus and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, I was raised in a denominational church that didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And they said that uh, they taught that the gifts were only for the early church to get it started, and they taught that the gifts quit operating when the last apostle died. And uh, be honest with you, I never agreed with them or disagreed with them uh, because it really didn't make any difference to me. I'm just trying to keep myself out of hell, so uh, I was just gonna, I was just going along with it, and not really sure exactly what to believe. And uh, of course, I know better now. And I would disagree with anyone who doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for, the, for today's church, the modern-day church, as they call it. Uh, if the gifts were necessary to start the church, then they're certainly necessary to sustain the church and keep it going for these last almost 2,000 years. And it's especially necessary, they're especially necessary, to wrap up the church as we go into revival in these end times and get the church ready for the rapture. The gifts must be important to the New Testament church because they are mentioned over a hundred times in New Testament writings. That's quite a bit. And uh, many denominations don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit for several reasons. And even the ones that do, most think that the gifts are optional and you can take them or leave them. And I not only believe that they're necessary for today, but I believe they're mandatory. I believe they're a requirement for the for a new testament church to operate in the gifts of the spirit and have manifestations of the gift of the spirit uh not just once in a while not just on special wednesdays or uh the first sunday of the month or something like that but every time they meet together the church the body of christ there should be manifestations of the holy spirit and if you read about the church in the book of acts you can see the gifts in full operation. You can see them in operation in Jesus's ministry with the exception of tongues and interpretation. He didn't need tongues and interpretation. We need tongues and interpretation uh, after Jesus ascended. And uh, so they were tongues and interpretations for this dispensation in time. Uh, but people keep referring to the early church or the latter church But we have to realize it's all one church. It's a blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. It's the same New Testament church in the book of Acts as it is today. As a matter of fact, we're the same church that was in the book of Acts or is in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, we're still living out the book of Acts. We're the church that's in the book of Acts and we're a continuation of that church we're not a latter church. They're not the early church. There's only one church of Jesus Christ, and we're all the same. And the church has lost so much from uh, that time in the book of Acts to the time that we're living in now through uh, denominational teaching and denominational thinking. And we've got, got to the place where the uh, it's been watered down so much that we can't tell uh, our church from the church that's in the book of Acts. And uh, what we try to do is we like to mirror ourselves after the book of Acts. If, if we see something in the book of Acts or something in the church that's described in the book of Acts, then we know that that should be going on in our church as well. And that includes the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit includes signs and wonders. It includes miracles. It, it includes everything that we've seen in the book of Acts. We should be a continuation of that. Besides, the gifts of the Spirit couldn't have ceased when the last apostle died, like I was told, because Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews 3.1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So we know the last apostle isn't dead. He's still alive. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every name that is named. He's alive and he's well, and he's the last apostle. Hallelujah. As long as he's alive, the gospel bells are ringing, and all the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit are operating in Spirit-filled churches that believe in them and desire them. Hallelujah. So Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts or gifts of grace, because charis means grace, so he says, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned. So why would Paul say that if the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today? Why would there be hundred uh, over 100 times, actually it's 103 times that the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned in the New Testament writings? Why would that be if they're not for today? If they're not relevant to the church today, then why would he even care? Why would he want us to be learned about him? Why would he give us all this information about him? I mean, uh, if there are things in the Bible that aren't relative to today, then that would mean that the Bible is just a simple history book. But we know it's not. Uh, uh, People think that uh, the Bible is a history or a record of the world, but it's not. It's a record of man. The Bible starts in Genesis with the recreation of the earth and the creation of Adam and Eve by God. And, and so it's a record of man. It's not a record of the, the earth. The earth is billions of years old, but if you go back to where Adam and Eve was created to this time, you're looking at six, 6,000 years, approximately 6,000 years. So it's not that it's not a history book. There's history in it, but this book is alive. The, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This word is alive, it's active, it's energized, it causes things to change, it causes things to happen. History books don't do that. And then in verse 2, Paul says, You, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. So uh, he's talking to people uh, in the Corinthian church that came from all kinds of different backgrounds. Uh, They came from prostitution. They came from uh, uh, really, uh, they were uh, sex slaves. They were scoundrels. They were thieves. They were all kinds of people. And when Paul started the church in Corinth, these are the people that came to his church. These are the people that he drew. And so they were all, at one time idol worshippers and things like that and paul's telling them that you were carried away to these dumb idols however you were led in other words you was following every single message on different idols and this idol is this and this idol is that and uh but what he's saying now is that i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed and no one can say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit and I learned that this was a practice amongst the Jews to call Jesus, the word was anathema or, or anathema, uh, which actually meant a curse. So uh, they were in the practice of calling Jesus a curse and the works that he did a curse. And it meant that whoever they called a curse, and especially Jesus, it meant that they were so abominable that they, it wasn't even fit for them to live on the earth it was a bad thing to call somebody a curse and uh it was an early practice amongst the heathen persecutors that were forcing believers to call jesus accursed and uh paul is saying if you're truly born again you've got the spirit of god living on the inside of you there's no way that you could say jesus is accursed And the only way you can call him Lord is if you're truly born again by the Spirit of God. So then he says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. He wants us, he's emphasizing uh, where these gifts come from and uh, who owns them. And then he said in verse six, and there are diversities of activities, but it is it is the same God who works all in all. So uh, no matter what the gift is, or the administration of it, or the diversity of it, or or the uh, 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 manifestation of it, it all comes from one source, and that's God. So the gifts of the Spirit manifest in our lives, and this is why I feel they're so necessary for the church. They manifest in our lives. Uh, to profit with all. And they manifest in our life as a benefit. Uh, we have in Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So it's telling us that uh, salvation and healing are a benefit. Saving and healing us is a benefit of God. But that's not the only benefits. If you read the Psalm uh, through the end of, the, of Psalm uh, 103, he lists a whole bunch of more benefits uh, of being born again and having God as our Father and we as children. And uh, here it's telling us that the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are added benefits to the church. Uh, these Every time the Spirit manifests himself in the church service or anywhere else, he can manifest himself in Kroger and somebody could get healed, a miracle can take place. You can have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that really helps somebody and uh, shows them the goodness of God and opens their heart to the gospel. There's all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit can do that could benefit us or profit us or benefit and profit the person that he's ministering to through these gifts. And uh, so he, God wants us to enjoy his benefits. Uh, you know, you get a job and one of the first things you wanna know is uh what are the benefits? Is there health insurance? Is there paid vacation? Is there time and a half for over eight hours? and all these different benefits we look for the benefits. Amen. And so God is telling us he's got many benefits for us. But you know what? If you don't know what the benefits are, you're never going to cash in on them. You're never going to profit from them and you're never going to have them operating in your life. And that's why Paul says, I don't want you ignorant because there's a lot of profit in the gifts of the spirit. There's a lot of benefits in the gifts of the spirit. When someone gets healed in a service or God works a miracle or he speaks a word to us, it's for our profit and it's for our benefit every time. Then in verse 8 it says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts, plural, gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. And then in verse 11, it says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, all these gifts, all these manifestations are working by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of God. But it says distributing to each one individually as he wills. So each and every one of us can operate the gifts of the Spirit. Therefore, every single believer, the only qualification is that you're born again, and if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So every one of us has a spiritual gift that's been imparted to us, and we're equipped with spiritual gifts. So uh, if you're born again, you qualify. And the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. And he is the owner of all the gifts and so it stands the reason that he would manifest himself through you as a believer and so he's able to do that through you as he wills but you so you have the potential to impart spiritual gifts or the benefits of them to others Uh, a lot of people think that these gifts are for the five-fold ministry they're not for the lay person I don't know enough and You know, God doesn't show me that kind of favor. No, they're for everybody. He said each one. And so uh, you might wonder why we don't see more manifestations of the, the gifts of the Spirit in the church. And I'll give you a few reasons. This is by no means all of them. But number one, we must desire spiritual gifts. Paul said desire spiritual gifts. And so if you don't desire him, the Holy Spirit is not going to force himself on you. He's not going to make you operate in a a spiritual gift. He's just going to pass over you and go to somebody that desires for the gifts to operate in their life. And then number two, we must be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to use us in this type of ministry. Again, he doesn't force his will on you. You have to have the desire, and you have to be willing for Him to use you. And then number three, and this is a tough one, you must have enough faith and confidence to step out in faith and obey the Holy Spirit when He does want to move through you. He may give you a uh, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. He might give you uh, uh, want to operate the gift of prophecy through you. Uh, Lay your hands on somebody and let the gifts of healing operate through you, but it takes faith for you to do that. And uh, the devil tries to discourage the gifts of the Spirit operating in any church for the simple reason that it doesn't benefit him. It benefits the church. It benefits you and I. He doesn't profit from it. As a matter of fact, they give him a big headache. And so he'll discourage you any way he can and say, oh, that stuff is stupid. Or it's been, done, it's been done away with when the last apostle died. Uh, the gifts are for the early church. They're not for this church. And he'll talk you right out of them. He'll, he'll cause you to lose your confidence and stepping out in faith. And, uh, you know, we tell our people in church, if you have an utterance and you feel like God wants to speak a word to you, go ahead and speak it out. Just step out there and speak it out. If, you, if it's wrong, we'll correct you gently. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything, but this is how you learn. This is how you begin to discern uh, what uh, the voice of the Lord and what he's telling you to say or he wants to speak through you. And it's the same with uh, uh, the, the tongues or interpretation of tongues. It takes a lot of faith and it takes a lot of confidence for you to stand up and speak in tongues, and it takes even more confidence for you to stand up and interpret what was spoken and uh, a lot of people think we translate tongues no uh, it's an interpretation it's it's an it's what you uh, believe the spirit is telling you what wants to be said and sometimes you could have a short tongue and a long interpretation or you could have a long uh, tongues and a short interpretation and a lot of people say well see he didn't translate that right because uh, they just talked in tongues for 10 seconds he talked for a whole minute no that's doesn't necessarily mean he interpreted or uh, he didn't translate anyway he interpreted it so it's difference between there's a difference between interpreting and translating but uh, these are some of the reasons we don't see enough manifestations it's not only up to the pastors and the fivefold ministers to operate in the gifts of the spirit it's for every one of us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We're a body ministry that ministers to a body. But it's important we understand that God is a God of order, and that's why the gifts are administered and manifested as He wills, not as we will. And trust me, we would not be fair in the administration or the distribution of the gifts of the Spirit because God might tell you to speak an encouraging word to somebody that you don't like. And so what do you do? You withhold it. They don't deserve this work or he may want to operate the gifts of healings through you and you don't want to uh, lay hands on that person because you don't like them. So it's not as we will. It's it's not our gift per se personal gift. It's the church's gift, but we're part of the church so we can operate through it. But it's says he wills because he's going to keep things decently and in order. Uh, It's important that we understand that because the gifts are ministered by the Holy Ghost through the believer as the Holy Ghost wills and as the believer uh, cooperates with the Holy Ghost in the manifestation of the gifts. These are really important for the body of Christ. I really believe it, especially in in these last days. If we're going to have an end-time revival, and we are, then we're going to need the operation of the gifts of the Spirit because they profit all of us, they uh, build up the church, Uh, they enhance the kingdom of God, I mean, there's all these benefits of the gifts of the Spirit operating in our churches, and the devil's going to fight tooth and nail to keep us from from operating in those gifts. Well, let's look at a couple of them, I don't know how much time we got left, my atomic clock back there, and I know why they call it atomic, it blew up, and I don't know what time it is right now, but uh, we'll... Keep going for a few minutes anyway. Let's look at uh, the first gift of the Spirit. It's the word of wisdom. And uh, we must understand that it's not saying wisdom. God's not giving you wisdom as a gift. He's giving you the word of wisdom. And it's a supernatural revelation or a design or a divine answer or solution for a particular event or a particular set of circumstances, and the Holy Word, the Holy Ghost will give you the Word of Wisdom to solve problems and situations that you have no answers for by natural means. And that word that was uh, uh, translated from the Greek, uh, the word is logos or logos, uh, which means fragmentary. In other words, so rather than getting the full answer for something, we're only getting fragmentary information. That's why it's called the word of wisdom. It's not called the gift of wisdom. It's called the gift of the word of wisdom. We're just going to get a small part of something. Uh, Paul said we see through a glass darkly. And so, you know, we're seeing through the glass, but we're not seeing everything. And so you get a fragment of supernatural insight into a specific problem or situation. And it's wisdom because it delivers an answer to a pressing need or a pressing problem that you don't have. You don't have the answer to. And so it could happen anywhere, anytime. It could happen in church or a meeting. It could happen at home. It could happen while you're driving in the car. It can happen at Kroger. Uh, It could happen while you're in prayer, while you're reading. There's no uh, set way that the word of wisdom comes or the gifts operate. They belong to the church, but they'll operate outside of the church if you'll use them. But anyway, suddenly a word of wisdom comes to you, and you receive just a fragment of information. It's not everything you need to know, but it's exactly what you need to know at that particular moment. And it enables you to answer a pressing need or question or a certain situation. You can come up with a solution for a certain situation. Uh, If you'll turn to Acts chapter 27, there's a good example of it right there. Paul is on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar to defend himself for some trumped-up charges that the Jews brought against him. And uh, because he was a Roman citizen and and things weren't going right, good for him in in the courts, he appealed to Caesar. And so they're sending him to Caesar. That's the right of a Roman citizen. And he's going to stand before Caesar. But anyway they're sailing this is a bad time for sailing as a matter of fact paul told them this is not a good time to sail this park in a in a port in, in a safe haven and wait for favorable winds and favorable weather but they insisted on i'm pushing on and as a result this the ship was in these storms and and these uh, tempests and all this stuff and rough seas for many days and is being beaten and battered, it's falling apart, and everybody on the ship thinks they're going to drown, which had not been for an act of God, they probably would have drowned. But uh, in Acts 27, 24, it says, For there stood by me, or 23, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. God told uh, Paul that he stand before kings and he would stand even before Caesar. And uh, what's interesting here is it says that uh, it was the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. Well, that's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's the angel of God. Paul would never say that uh, he, he belonged to an angel or he served an angel there's been a lot of false doctrines come out of this passage of scripture and that's where we got into angel worship and all this other baloney because people don't uh meditate on the word they don't uh rightly divide the word they grab a scripture like this and they run off and build a doctrine with it but paul was was saying that uh the angel of god it could be no other than jesus christ the one that he serves and the one who he belongs to And and that angel of God, Jesus, told him, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And, lo, God, my Father, hath given thee all them that sail with thee. In other words, uh, we're not only going to preserve you, Paul, but we're going to preserve everybody on this ship. And he gave him further instructions, said everybody has to stay with the ship. They can't jump off, take a lifeboat, or anything like that. They have to stay with the ship, and they'll all be saved. So... God gave Paul, through Jesus Christ, a word of wisdom. He didn't show them the whole picture. He didn't uh, tell them how they're going to be saved or what they'd have to go through. Paul just received a fragmentary part of the whole picture, a fragmentary, fragmentary part of the uh, information. But it was a word that gave him wisdom that answered that pressing question and, and fulfilled that need that they had at the moment. And that was what's going to happen to us what's going to happen to the ship and then we have the word of knowledge i can see we're not going to get through maybe you might get through three all together we'll see but the word of knowledge same word translated from the word logos the word the logos of knowledge again it's fragmentary But it's a supernatural revelation of knowledge or insight into something that you had no way of knowing by natural means. Uh, It's something that no one told you about. You didn't read about it or see it on the news. It just came to you. And again, it wasn't the whole picture. It was just fragmentary. And, uh, you know, Jesus asked the disciples at Caesarea Philippi. They're on a little sabbatical or something and he said who the men say that i am and they're all trying to describe him you know they're saying that you're that prophet and you're this and you're that and peter pipes up and he says thou art the christ the son of the living god and so jesus turned to him probably quite surprised and he said simon peter that was his name he says flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you but my father who's in heaven in other words No living being could tell you this information because nobody knew it. And the only way you knew it is because God gave it to you. God gave him a revelation, a word of knowledge, something that he had no way of knowing of uh, by any kind of natural means. So that's kind of what a word of knowledge is about. But again, it's a fragment of supernatural knowledge. Uh, It simply means to know something, but it's different than the word of wisdom. This is the ability to supernaturally know facts and details that could never uh, be known through a natural mean. And see, God knows facts and details about all of us and about situations and people that he would like to impart into a believer that they could share that with somebody. Uh, Again, it's not everything that you need to know about them, but it's enough to uh, open their hearts to the goodness of God because it shows them that God loves them and cares for them. Uh, another good example is in John chapter 4 where Jesus is sitting on the side of a well in Samaria having a conversation with this woman that came there to draw water. And he's talking to her, and while he's talking to her, he receives a word of knowledge. He receives some fragmentary information about her life. And in John 4:16 through 18, Jesus says unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said. He said, You got that right, uh, that you have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and him him whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. So in other words, he he was given a word of knowledge, some fragmentary information about this woman's life. And, uh, but... When he told her that, it opened her heart to the goodness of God because uh, her knowing that God cared enough about her or loved her enough to minister to her, it actually turned her life around and she became uh, somewhat of an evangelist. She went about telling everybody who the Messiah was and how God had touched her and she became a tremendous witness for for the kingdom of God. And... Uh, Uh, i i can tell you that's how i got into the kingdom of god uh or really born again uh is we went to this little old country church a pentecostal church and the pastor called me up there to pray for me and when he did he told me some things that he had no way of knowing he he told me about uh, my mother she was uh, my mother had a terminal illness And he told me that God is touching your mother and healing her of that illness. Now he had no way of knowing that about my mother. He told me things about myself that I hadn't even told my wife or anybody else. I knew that he had no natural means of knowing that or no natural way of finding that information out. Uh, We didn't even have Google back then. So uh, I knew it was God speaking through him. And man, it opened my heart. To, to God it showed me the goodness of God and that God cared enough about me to take time out of his busy day running the universe to minister to little old me. And I'm telling you, that turned my life completely around. That was a word of knowledge that my pastor gave me at that time. But it was a fit word spoken in the right season because I had already made up my mind. If I made it out of that church alive, I was never going back. And I'm telling you, that changed my life. It changed my mind. And uh, I've been going ever since. So these gifts are valuable. So if that gift of the Spirit didn't manifest, or it's not for today, or it's not for the latter-day church, I wouldn't be here today. I don't know where I'd be. Probably uh, six feet under pushing up daisies because I certainly wouldn't be here here today. But anyway... uh, then we have the gift of faith and i think this is all we're going to have time for tonight but this is the supernatural ability to believe god without human doubt without human unbelief and without human reasoning in the mind the mind is where we talk ourselves out of supernatural events you know we just uh, begin to think it over and try to get logical about it and we try to think logically and and we come to the conclusion that this can't possibly work. And that's because we're thinking by natural means. And uh, uh, everything the, gift, the gifts of the Spirit does is supernatural. These are not natural gifts. These are supernatural. So if you don't think on that plane, the supernatural plane, you're going to talk yourself out of things. Uh, so it's a supernatural impartation that enables you to believe God In spite of all the other circumstances and it's not talking about our everyday faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God Romans 10 17 Uh, the Bible says that we all have a measure of faith so we do have faith I mean if 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 God didn't give us a measure of faith then when the gospel was presented to us we wouldn't have enough faith to accept it so we've all been given a measure of faith if for no other reason at least to get saved And so it's not talking about that kind of faith, because that kind of faith requires a fight. Paul said he's fighting the good fight of faith. But this type of faith, this we'll call it special faith, the gift of special faith, it comes supernaturally from the Holy Ghost as a gift. It's an assuring and a knowing that you just can't explain. You just know that there's a special faith rising up in you or it's in the room and it's rising up in somebody else but you know that it's a supernatural type of faith that you just can't muster up on your own it's a gift of faith god says this is going to take great faith for this miracle is going to take great faith and so he imparts that into the believer and for that one miracle or that one moment that believer has enough faith to believe god for anything to believe uh impossible situations can become possible uh so uh Paul was preaching at Lystra here's an example of it and when suddenly he noticed there was special faith in the room and it was in operation and so in acts 14 uh starting with verse 8 it says while they were at Lystra Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet and he had been that way from birth So he had never walked. He didn't know what it was like to walk. And he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Faith comes out by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Paul is preaching, he's hearing the word and faith is coming. But then all of a sudden Paul realized that there was a special faith in the room uh, because this man didn't have enough faith to believe God to heal his crippled feet yet. He He hadn't been in the word that long. He hadn't been hearing the word that long. accumulate that type of faith. So Paul recognized that there was special faith, that the gift of faith was in the room. And so Paul realized that, and he says, he calls out to the man in a loud voice, he says, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now see, he put aside all human reasoning. Uh, He didn't try to figure it out in his head because Uh, If he did, he would have never got that miracle. God provided him with enough faith to get that miracle right then and there. And if Paul told him, jump to your feet and start walking, and he thought with his carnal mind or his natural uh, mind, he would have said, doesn't he know I'm crippled? If I could jump up and walk, don't you think I'd have been jumping up and walking a long time ago? And, And you just, like I said, you'll talk yourself out of your miracle. Uh, But this thing here didn't require anything special of that man. It was the gift of faith in operation. The gift of faith filled that that room. And Paul recognized it abiding on this one man. Uh, I'm sure there were other people in the room that had ailments and infirmities and sicknesses, maybe even some uh, uh, abnormalities in their bodies and, and bones and muscles or whatever. But it was on this particular man. And and it was the right man because when Paul told him to stand up, that man jumped to his feet and started walking. That's special faith. And these are gifts that you just can't operate on your own. You know, there's times when I would have loved to have special faith because I was doubting, I was wavering, I was fighting the good fight of faith. I was was really struggling uh, to get my believer in line with the word of God because I was going through something. And, and, uh, so it would have been wonderful for the gift of special faith to come on me. And I just have the supernatural ability to believe God for the impossible, but that don't always happen. Sometimes God requires you to use your faith, the faith that you develop through, uh, hearing the word and hearing the word and continuing to hear the word and faith is building up. But then, you know, you've got all this faith in you and it needs to be exercised. You know, it's like lifting weights. The more you lift weights, the more uh, your muscles grow, and the stronger you get. And so, how's your ex? How's your faith exercised by using it? And, and you know, when when uh, something comes along that uh, needs to be changed in your life, like a sickness or an illness of some type, or uh, it could be a financial problem, it could be a uh, problem that you need wisdom for. You can believe God for it, and you can believe Him with the faith that was given to you and the faith that you bring by hearing the word and by exercising it, you can use your faith for the trials that you go through. I preached recently on the uh, fourth man in the fire, the three Hebrew children that were thrown into the burning fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter than it normally was so hot that the guys that threw them into the fire, they got burned up and died. The flames came out of the furnace, licked them up and killed them. That's how hot it was. But then the king noticed that those three guys were walking around in the fire, which means that the the uh, bonds is the only thing that burned off of them. The ropes that they had them tied with is the only thing that burned off of them. They're walking around in the fire. And the king noticed a fourth man in the fire. And he was brighter than the fire itself. And he said that this looks like the son of God. And that's exactly who it was. Jesus got into the furnace with them. And uh, But, you know, it took great faith and preparation for the Hebrew children that were thrown into the fire to be able to do that because they had testified for God, and they stood their ground, and they said, Cain, we're not going to bow to you or anybody else, so you can throw us in there if you want to, but if, even if you don't throw us in there, we're still not bowing our knee to any idol that you made, and we're not bowing our knee to you because we only serve the one and only true God. And I believe it was that testimony and uh, the fact that they claimed the word of God and went into that furnace trusting in God. They didn't care one way or the other. If they got burned up, they'd been in heaven anyway. But they went in there trusting God and God showed up. That took faith for them to do that. They could have denied their faith. And when the music started playing, they could have bowed their knee to that false idol, that false God that, that Nebuchadnezzar made of himself, the golden image and uh, they could have lost everything. And if they would have got thrown in the furnace or, or anything like that, which represents trials and tests, they would have burned up. And so sometimes you've got to use your faith and you've got to believe that God is with you. And, uh, you know, we've done this for the past several, well, we've done it all our life, but really, we really hit hard here in the past several months For since March something uh, with the trial that we went through. But, you know, uh, and I describe myself as going through the fire, and and the fourth man was in the fire with me. Jesus was in that fire with me, and I could feel his presence. I felt his assurance. I had the confidence that I was going to make it out of that fire, and that's exactly what happened. And so, uh, you know, I give God all the praise and glory, uh, one of these days, I'll be able to tell the whole story and uh, explain some things that I haven't been able to yet, but you know, I don't. I'm not this crazy preacher that preaches with a hat on. I'm, I'm wearing this hat for a reason, <laughs> and we haven't shared all of that with everybody. But uh, I might just give you a short version of it. Uh, I went through cancer, chemo treatment, lost all my hair, and uh, believed God through the whole thing, and uh, God healed me. Uh, last Friday, we got a uh, PET scan, and uh, the doctor read it and said we're cancer-free. Praise the Lord. I give all the glory to God. Thank God for the doctors and, the, and modern medicine and all that stuff, but God is the healer, and uh, I, I trusted in the doctors that I was sent to. I trusted in the medications that I was given, uh, but my my real trust was in the Lord to heal me, and he did. And uh, the Bible tells us that you know when when we believe, trust, adhere in Him, that will not be disappointed or ashamed. And I'm certainly not disappointed, and I'm certainly not ashamed of the one that I serve. He's my healer. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. I don't know when. Maybe next Wednesday we'll pick up here uh, after the the gift of special faith and look at the other six and some other things. But. Uh, start meditating on this passage of scripture go to 1 corinthians 12 1 corinthians 14 romans 1 and and start looking at the different things that paul has to say about the gifts of the spirit start meditating on them start praying and asking god uh, to use you start desiring spiritual gifts in other words because god is going to use you if you do god bless you we love you we'll see you sunday will be in-person services and uh, we'll see you then, and then next Wednesday we'll continue this teaching. God bless you, we love you and appreciate you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember Jesus is Lord.